I have a prediction to make. The words of the prophet Joel are going to get a lot more airtime coming from pulpits all over the globe. Many of us are already familiar with the verse in Joel, most quoted in, in, in some congregations, Joel 2.28, and it shall come to pass, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. True that is, days are coming, days are coming shortly in which a generation is going to rise to the occasion, have the word of the Spirit, be awakened by prophetic dreams in the night season, and stunned, absolutely stunned, by graphic visions by day. And I might add, the, the church will be a, a bit flabbergasted by whom the Lord actually plans to use in these supernatural encounters. Some of you young adults out there who've been bouncing off the walls of 21st century culture might begin to prepare your hearts for encounters way outside your present categories. Amen to that, he said to himself. Now, I believe there are more than a few of you that said amen to that. Hi, everyone. I'm Bill Nordstrom, and welcome to the program today. Great days ahead. In fact, the prophet Joel's words over 2,500 years ago are, are going to play out in the coming season. Joel was around when his people were in exile outside the land, a time when uh, foreign armies invaded and forcibly took the residents of Israel to places they would preferred to have not gone. Maybe not so much unlike what we're seeing in Eastern Europe today. Russian forces, by one man's arbitrary decision, are displacing the residents of a 21st century modern nation to places they would not have preferred to go. The fact of the matter is, while the West is preoccupied with gender pronouns and cancel culture, NATO, seemingly with little stomach for aggressive pushback, the Europe of the old Soviet bloc unsure of what to expect, all while Putin and his generals remain adamant they want a rebirth of the old Soviet empire. You know, I believe we're, we're watching a Western civilization that will not quite look the same at the end of the day. We'll see. But listen, while we're watching all this, might we read the prophet Joel? Joel and the prophets of his day were given the difficult task of, a, of announcing a coming devastation, expulsion, and destruction of Jerusalem. Again, not unlike what's going on in the Ukraine and Eastern Europe in this day. I suggest we're seeing some parallels in the events of today that we would be well served by making some rather radical changes in how we see the world at this hour and make some significant lifestyle adjustments that will put the future kingdom of God into clear focus. You see, in Joel's day, the prophets were called to be harbingers, forerunners of the day of the Lord. My teens and young adults of today that are being prepared for an identical task in this particular day, while, while the day of the Lord is an historical learning experience, it also is a future event for which this generation must prepare with all its complexities and all of its tensions. The day of the Lord is an hour. It's an hour of redemptive history. Listen to that, where God deals with his friends and his enemies. It's a great day. It's a terrible day. 
it's an hour of deliverance, mercy, vindication, and restoration. It, it, it's an hour of turmoil, judgment, violence, and pain. It's centered in and around the city of Jerusalem because God is Jerusalem-centric. The prophet Joel is rather unique from the rest of the prophets because he explains why judgment is released and how God expresses himself in that judgment. I believe we'll find that it's a very valuable wisdom and insight for the contemporary church. While Joel also explains to the people how they were to respond to the judgment, and I might stress he also emphasized the role of the Holy Spirit in those events. That might also prove to be a a very valuable insight to be recovered by the church. Another thing we must strongly consider is what Joel added to the popular verse in chapter 2, verse 28, the one we just read a few minutes ago. He added this, I'll show wonders, I'll show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire, pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood. When? Before, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. The great cosmic and ecological events of the great tribulation that come before the return of the Lord. Joel says so, the book of Acts says so, and Jesus says so in Matthew chapter 24. These are not some sweet by-and-by considerations that we'll get around to, or the Lord in an imminent rapture is going to keep us from. No, no, no. As Joel explained how history overshadows the end times, he uses the day of the Lord in his generation to describe the day of the Lord in the coming final generation. The now, but not yet. The near, but far. The, the near and far of prophecy. Really, I believe Joel may even be more relevant to our generation than his own. We see three mentions, three mentions of the day of the Lord in the book of Joel. There's the, the ecological disaster. That was the locust invasion in chapter 1. In Joel 2, it's a military invasion. And in the third, there's the salvation of all Israel, God's judgment on the Antichrist and his empire and the nations. We can be absolutely sure the current events on the earth now and in the future, the the global political, social, economic, and religious phenomena, will make the book of Joel indispensable for navigating the road ahead. Let's take a few minutes to better understand this monumental day. If you're anything like me, you've seen the day of the Lord everywhere in your Bible since you started reading it. But like me, maybe you never stop to figure out why it's so everywhere present. You see, the day of the Lord, the day of Yahweh, is the featured message of the prophets. This phrase and, and the closely related expressions like the day of the anger of Yahweh or Yahweh has a day occur over two dozen times in the prophetic books, mostly in Isaiah, Joel, and Zephaniah, and once in Lamentations. Similar terms, particularly the day or the day of or the day when, appear nearly 200 times in the prophets and sometimes in Lamentations and the Psalms. You see, it's interesting the day of the Lord is so little understood for its place and purpose regarding, this is important, the future of Israel and the church. 
And that's a big deal if we're to understand God's plan and purpose for the end of the age and Israel's critical role in that transition. So, what's, what's the day of the Lord and the, and the Great Tribulation? What's that all about from Joel's perspective? You know, you've heard me mention on more than one occasion the most accurate way to assess the critical days ahead leading to the day of the Lord is to recognize, know, and understand the time frame as the end of the age, not the end of the world. You see, that's important because, like you, I've heard so many people over the years, especially in recent times, say the world's just going to come to an end. And what I say, and the Bible says, is absolutely no, no. It's going to get very, very bad. Then it's going to get very, very good. Listen, God has no plan to erase his people or for that matter, end all life on this planet before or after he returns on the day of the Lord. Certainly, this world will look considerably different in the age to come. Most apparent and unmistakable, the world will be led by God himself in the person of Jesus Christ and those who have embraced him as Savior and Lord. The day of the Lord, Joel spoke of, is the climax of what Jeremiah called the time of Jacob's trouble, of what Daniel called a time of trouble such as never been, or what Jesus called the time of tribulation, and of who one of the elders around the throne in heaven called the great tribulation. The day of the Lord brings the tribulation to an end, and transitions us into a new age. And I, and I say that in the very good sense of the meaning. The day of the Lord is this. It's, it's eschatological. It terminates. It, it ends in the return of Jesus and the resurrection of the dead. It's Israel-centric. All the significant events in that time revolve around Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. It's global. All nations will experience its impact unprecedented, unequaled in magnitude, horrific. In short, it threatens human survival. Jesus made that clear in Matthew chapter 24. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until that time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. That day requires much more than a casual glance or study. It's going to be absolutely necessary, we begin now, right now, to develop a significant history with God, build an intimate relationship in inordinate times of prayer and intercession, giving yourself to his will and his ways, understand there's absolutely no contradiction between the love of God and the judgments of God, his mercy and wrath. Remember this, God does not put down one attribute of his character, let's say love, so we can express his wrath. He can do what we can't do. Ever tried to express love and concern for someone while you're seething with wrath? Good luck on that. With God, the events at the end of the age will be exceptionally challenging and painful for the redeemed, while at the same time, joyful and expectant 
for the coming day of the Lord and our gathering to Him. The Spirit's building a generation in these days who understand His mercy and His wrath, guarding against being offended at the age-ending works of the Lord while, while, while avoiding the chaos and the apostasy of the nations in the crisis. The greatest revival and crisis in history is on the horizon. We watch the 24-hour news cycles and see unprovoked tyrants send military forces to modern nations, leaving behind death and destruction. Beloved, these are just the preliminaries. You see why a wholehearted devotion to the things of the Spirit are necessary attributes now, not later, right now. The church is going to be prepared with forerunners who step out ahead of the crowd and are able to explain the unprecedented activities of the Holy Spirit. Ignorance will no longer be bliss. These events will be real and personal in the days to come. Now, now is the day of salvation. Now is the day to drop the petty parochial activities of life and give yourself into the presence of the Lord. It'll be your only recourse to move through the chaos of the times ahead. I think we need to pray here. Father, we need your word in this season. We recognize there are coming events that, in the natural, will throw us for a loop. But for your Spirit in these coming days, Father, we would be gripped with fear and indecision. Lord, continue, please continue to reveal your mysteries to us. And, of course, the strategies necessary to navigate the crisis, that our hearts will be prepared for the days ahead and we ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen and amen. If I may share something a little more personal for a moment, some of you may have noticed the tone of my voice and heart these days is, is getting a bit more intense. Beloved, I believe the Holy Spirit is preparing to reveal something to His church in the very near future that our collective hearts and minds must not only grasp, but hold on to tightly. This is not a time for casual communication in the Spirit, but, but rather a Spirit-induced intensity to propel us to a new intimacy. So I ask for your prayers for the revelation of the Spirit, the Word of the Lord, for these days that are ahead. God bless each and every one of you. I so appreciate you. Maranatha. I'm Bill Nordstrom.